Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this chance and privilege that you've given us to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, um, those who you have saved and those who you have pulled out of some really dark places um, so that we could come to know you as our Lord and Savior. And uh, we get to study your word now. Uh, thank you for the food that was provided for us uh, uh, by the kind ladies who made it. Please bless their hands and, and bless the food to our bodies. Um, now as we seek to turn to the bread of life, your word, uh, be with us now and feed us. Give us a hunger and a desire to know you better. And Holy Spirit, we need you to open our eyes and our ears and our lives to these truths. Help us to receive these truths. Help us to believe these truths. Um, help us to trust these truths and help us to share these truths with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so today um, we are continuing in our study of the life of Christ through a harmony of the Gospels. And we are today going to be in John chapter 8. Remember that Jesus is now the the conflict between him and the religious authorities of the day and the political authorities of the day are really starting to ramp up now in in his life he's he's um teaching um and his teachings are contrary to uh the teachings of the religious establishment and they're contrary uh to the to the uh, ruler of the day which is Rome so he's going to wind up by speaking the truth he is going to wind up causing a lot of commotion between him and the religious authorities and the political authorities. Um, is that the same case today for us? If we live in truth and if we speak the truth to others, um, are people going to be happy and give us big hugs and tell us no. that? No. no. Because remember the world, um, your friends, the people that are still lost out there, People that you associate with every day, co-workers and friends and family that are still lost are still in the dark. And when you confront them with the truth, their reaction to that truth is not going to be a good reaction. Um, I've heard people compare it. If you've ever gone out in the yard and picked up an old piece of plywood or an old tire laying around in the yard, what comes running out from under it? It's all the creepy stuff that don't like to be exposed, right? They're all doing dirty things and they don't want to be exposed. And when you flip it open and expose it to the light, they go off and what are they looking for? Darkness. They're looking for more cover. And that's exactly what will happen. And, and so um, you as individuals can also use that as a check yourself before you wreck yourself uh, lesson, right? If I am constantly wanting to hide from the truth, if I'm constantly wanting to be away from people who hold me accountable to my actions, then there's probably something wrong with my actions. Right? Right? Is, uh, so often in our lives, um, when we're not living the right way, we're going to make sure that we surround ourselves with other people who are not living the right way as well. And we're going to avoid people who know us and love us that will call us to account for our actions. Right. When I'm riding down the road and I'm doing the speed limit, I don't worry about the police officer. But if I'm speeding, I'm constantly looking in the bushes to see if he's there, right? Yeah. Every day. Right? The law is only an offense to those who are breaking it. And so when we see Jesus here uh, being in conflict today mainly with the religious authorities, it's because he is exposing their hypocrisy. Um, what do I mean by hypocrisy? What does it mean to be a hypocrite? Do the same thing you're teaching against. Yeah, to do the same thing that you're teaching against, it means to put on a mask and pretend to be someone that you're not. And so Jesus is exposing their hypocrisy and we'll see that today in our lesson. So let's take a look at those words. This is John chapter 8. We're going to focus on verses 12 through 30 uh, today. Uh, and it says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from, came from, and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone in it. But I am the Father who sent me. Even in your law it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. 
So they were saying to him, where is your father? Uh, and uh, he, Jesus answered and said to them, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said again to them, I go away and you will seek me and I will die and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are from this world. I am not from this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He spoke these things, many came to believe in Him. Yes, Lord. So, the Jews... did. Before Jesus came and talked about the Father, did they call God the Father? Yes. Because of Abraham? Yes, the word Abba means Father, right? So so that's not strictly Christian. Did they did they but consider did they consider God the Father? Right. Well, they go, they would point and say Abraham is our father, which means that they were uh, related to him, uh, related to Abraham by genetics. Um, but the children of God are children of Abraham by faith. Um, and in, in a sense, yes, God is the father of all creation. Right, but, and when we pray, we say, Our know, father, father who art in heaven. But right. did the Jews say that before Jesus came? Did the Jews call God the father before Jesus came? So they knew the Messiah was going to be his son. Well, um, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray... What race were the disciples? Jews. Okay, and Jesus was Jewish. Yeah. And when they asked him how to pray, how did he start off his prayer? Our Father. Who art in heaven. Right. Yeah, but before Jesus came, I'm like the Sadducees, the Sharers, all, all of these folks that were studying the scripture and this and that. Do you see anywhere did where the disciples contradict con, uh, no. him and say, oh no, he's not really our, our father. Like, he's God. He's the, right. the creator. The yeah, there's always been. They, so, um, in the Old Testament, the elect of God, his people were known as who? Children of the children of Israel. Gotcha. All right. And so they would all be considered one family. And who would be the head of that family? Well, they, to, to refer to them as the children of Israel would kind of refer to them as being Jacob's kids, right? Right. But he is the one who called them out. God is the one that called them out. Okay. And so there would always be a presumption that there was a spiritual relationship between God and his children. I do not know. Of, I do not know. I do not know of anywhere in the Old Testament. I, I would have to. Um, I would have to think, or I'd have to go back and do some research to find if there is anywhere where the Jews literally addressed him in a prayer as our Father. I would have to go back and see that. But there would always be the assumption that well, there. It's always been that assumption since Jesus came. Sure. Always. Sure. Yeah. Um, That's a good question. And not only that, but Jesus, we're going to see in the next couple of weeks, Jesus is going to correct the Pharisees when he says to them, uh, they said, we have Abraham as our father. And he would say, if Abraham really was your father, you would do the works of Abraham. And he he would point them to the fact that um, through faith in Abraham, the faith of Abraham means that a person is a believer. I had another question about that. Huh? I'm... You know, uh, there was, there was, and I know it's not part of this, but it's been resting on my mind lately. 
where Jesus, the disciples, I guess he was praying. I don't remember where things are as well as I should. But they also saw Abraham and was it Moses? It was was Moses and Elijah, not Abraham. Moses and Elijah, and they wanted to make tents for them all and this and that. So they saw them, they recognized them, Mm -hmm. but they don't have their heavenly bodies yet, do they? I mean, no. So how do they recognize them? They because the Holy Spirit gave them the insight to know who it was that He was talking with. I see. They weren't in. And, Mo- and remember, Moses and Elijah represents the law and the prophets, mm-hmm. the Old Testament. So that was what <clears throat> their knowledge and their so faith that, is that based on the writing. The Old Testament with the New Testament. And- is all one big story about Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. They speak of him. And so uh, let's go back and start it again. So the first thing it says is Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I, um, I do want to remind you that in the very beginning of the Bible, the first thing that it says, what is the first thing that God said? Let there be light. Let there be yeah. light. And so God is the author and the source and the creator of light. And now Jesus is literally claiming that he is the light of the world. Um, in the Old Testament, do you remember when the, the children of Israel were, uh, uh, rescued out of Egypt and traveled in the desert, right? Remember the cloud that followed them around in the daytime? What did the cloud, right? Yeah, what did the cloud do in the daytime? It was smoke. No, the cloud, it it covered them as they walked. Gave them shade shade from the sun, and at night it lit up and became a light so that they could see in the dark. And later on, you'll see where Paul, in Corinthians, Paul makes sure that we know that, 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 Christ was with them in the desert, that he was the angel of the Lord, and that they were actually following him, that he was the rock. Remember when they hit, Moses hit the rock and the water came out of the rock? He's the rock that provided the water for right, them. He, he is that rock. They that, called him the angel of the Lord? He's, he's God's son, so I, I he, would yeah, call he, him the angel. Because, remember in the Old the Testament, but in the Old God. Testament, they knew that there was a coming one to save them, but they didn't know who he was. They oh. didn't know his name. So they were calling him the angel. Right. So there's angels of the Lord, and then there's the angel of the Lord. And if you go back and look in Genesis, and if you go back and look in like Genesis 15, um, the angel of the Lord was speaking to Abraham, and he told him, "I will give you this land, and I will make you a great nation." So he's claiming to have the power to do that. But that's how man explained it in the words, because angels are created and the Son is begotten. But. It's confusing me, Ronnie. In the Old Testament, Jesus had not been incarnate. He was not. Okay. He had not become flesh. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him worship Him in spirit and truth. Okay, okay. And an angel is a spirit. The word angel also in the, it, it means messenger. Right. And so we're, we're going to actually see this in just a minute. Jesus says, "I am the light of the world." Now I want to remind you: if you go all the way back to uh, Exodus. Uh, when Moses was uh, walking in the desert and he was confronted by God in the burning bush. Remember? Remember that? And God spoke to him out of the burning bush. Let's go back and look at that. Let's go back. Take your Bible and turn back to Exodus. And we'll go to Exodus chapter 3. Yeah, it says, Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Orem. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. In the flame. In the flame. In the midst of the bush. So who is it that appeared to him? Jesus. The angel of the Lord. And what did he look like? A fire. All right. A burning bush. And, well, the bush was burning, but it wasn't burning. He looked, and behold, the bush was not burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Or the bush was burning with fire, but it was not consumed. So Moses said, I must now turn aside and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. So who's speaking to him now? God. And then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he is afraid to look at God. All right, we're going to skip down a little bit, and I want you to look at uh, verse 
uh, 30, uh, 13. Uh, this is, uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel and will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? And what shall we say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, So you will say to the sons of Israel, Who? I am has sent me to you. So what did God tell Moses to call his name? I am. I am. That's his name. I am. All right. Well, what is so important about that? To say that, what, what if he just said, call me I was? What would that mean? That means he's past and it's past. Yeah, he's, he's not he's, anymore. He's right. And what if he said, call me I will be? Well, where in the Bible does it say Future? his name is Jehovah? Yeah, he's not God yet. But when he says, I am, what does he mean? He's here. Past, always. present, and future. Yeah. I am. He's always there. He's above time. He created time. Right. He sits above time. Right? And so when he tells Moses that the, to tell them that I am sent you, he's given Moses a name to call him by. Who is it that's given him this name to call him by? The angel of the Lord, the God that spoke out of the bush. All right? Now, let's look at a couple of passages in the book of Isaiah. If you want to turn there, you don't have to. If you don't want to chase it down, I'm going to read them really quickly. We're going to go to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41 and verse 4. And this is what it says. Who has performed and accomplished it, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last, I am He. You see that? I am He. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 4. Who has performed and accomplished it, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last, I am He. All right, now turn over to 43, chapter 43. And it says, 43, verse 10 says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. All right. Then in verse 13 it says, even from eternity, I am he. And there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act and who can reverse it. All right. And then we're going to look at verse 25 of that same chapter. Verse 25 says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins. I am the one who wipes out your transgressions. Then we'll look at uh, chapter 46, Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 4. Isaiah 46 and verse 4. Even to your old age, I will be the same. And even in your gray years, I will bear you. I have done it. I will carry you. I will bear you. And I will deliver you. All right. John uh, 48 2. 48 2 says this. For they call themselves after the holy city and lean on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. Right, And so all through the book of Isaiah, God is telling them that he is God and he has been from the beginning and he always will be and he will always take care of them. He will always be there for them. And what what does Isaiah refer to him as? The I am. Who did God tell them to call him? The I am. Right. So now back to the book of John, what we get to when we go to that John chapter 8. is he said, I am the light of the world. Who's saying this? Jesus. Jesus. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so what this is referred to is an I am statement. Who is Jesus claiming to be? God. By saying I am, by making these I am statements, he's telling them that he's God. All right, so what I'm going to do, I've waited to pass this out because I didn't want y'all guys to 
sit around and stare at it the whole time. You take these home on, on your own. And what this brings up is some of the Old Testament statements of I am. And what else it does is it, ref- it shows you in the book of John that there are eight times where Jesus refers to himself as the I am. We're not going to go into this. I'm going to cover some of it as we go through this today. Um, but you can put that in your Bible and take that home and look at it on your own, on your own time. Okay? So, the Pharisee said to him, You are testifying about yourself, and your testimony is not true. So, what are they saying? Let, put that in layman's terms. You're lying. You're lying. <laughs> you are not telling the truth. Now, what's wrong with telling Jesus that he's lying? He is the truth. Good. Because one of his I am statements is this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father, Father except through me. but through me. Right. That's one of his statements. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, Jesus... Now, I want to go into the background of what's happening here. Jesus is at the temple and he's teaching at the temple. And this is a big celebration that they have every year called the Festival of Booze. And what they would do every night at the temple is they would light up these four big giant candles and you could see them from all over the city. And then after they lit these big giant candles up, they would all get in the courtyard around that light and dance and sing songs and party and celebrate and have a festival. So when Jesus is saying this, it's in the context of them lighting those candles. And you know what he's telling them as they light the candle? I am the light of the world. Why would they light the candles? Okay, so I'm going to read you something here. Um, This is from something called the Mishnah. The Mishnah is basically a Jewish study note. It's basically Jewish study notes. It's basically the Jewish traditions that are passed down. Okay, So in other words, in the same way that Lori always reads her study Bible notes and then asks me questions out of that study Bible, okay, the Mishnah is kind of like a Jewish um, interpretation of the, the Scriptures. Okay. All right. That makes sense? So it was like the rabbis would go and, and in the same way that I'm sitting here today teaching you from the scriptures, they would make notes on the scriptures and this would be a book that's kind of like a pass on the traditions of why this says this and why this says this. That's kind of what it right. So this is an explanation of the Festival of Lights. And this is what it says. <clears throat> um, at the end of the first festival, day of the festival, the priest and the Levites went down to the woman's courtyard... And they made a major enactment by putting men below and women above. And there were golden candle holders there with four gold bowls on their tops and four ladders for each candlestick. And four young priests with jars of oil containing 120 logs would climb up the ladder and pour the oil into each bowl. Then out of the worn out undergarments and girdles of the priests, they would make wicks. And with them, they lit the candlesticks. And there was not a courtyard in Jerusalem which was not lit up from the light of Bet Hashoabah. The pious men and wonder workers would dance before them with flaming torches in their hands, and they would sing before them songs and praises. So that's, a, that's telling you what they, how that festival went every year, how that festival of lights would go. And so in the context of that festival of the lights, Jesus is standing in front of all of these people, and what is he saying to them? I am the I'm the light of the world. I'm what really lights it up. All right. Now, is there anything wrong in the world with having a festival or a celebration? No. No, as long as it's God-honoring, right? And so the irony of this is the Jews are... Uh, following God's command to come to Jerusalem three times a year and celebrate. Right? This is actually a religious festival that's put in the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Leviticus. It's a, it's a festival that they're supposed to celebrate every year. But now they've added on these, burning these lights, and they're dancing in front of lights and singing. And the irony is that the very God that gave them the festival, they're missing him. Right. Through their partying and through their festivals and through their traditions and through their understanding, through what they think is light, they're actually walking in darkness. 
And when the light of the world comes and presents himself to them, what happens? They don't see it. You see how that works? Mm -hmm. And can that happen to me and you? You better believe it. How many times times has somebody tried to correct you in something you were doing and you just shoved it off and didn't listen? More times than I can count. Are we very capable of... Spiritually doing, spiritually doing what kids do by putting our fingers in our ears and going la 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 la. I can't hear you. And a lot of times, the way that we stop our ears is by adding on our own traditions and adding on our own ideas and adding on our own cultural things. Think about your friends that are out at a concert on a Saturday night, right? Boy, they really living it up, aren't they? Man, woo, this is the, they, they've looked forward all week. Right? Right? They've lived, they've lived from Monday to Friday looking forward to going to this concert and living it up. And when they get there, they think they're in the center of life. And in reality, they're in darkness. They think that they're walking in light, and in reality, they're walking in darkness. And I don't want to just point at your lost friends. You and I are very capable of this too as Christians. These people, these Jewish people, are the most religious people on the face of the earth. They've had the Scriptures since the beginning. Since Moses. They've got the Scriptures, and yet they're walking in darkness. And when the very person of those Scriptures comes before them in flesh and says, this is what Moses was talking about, what do they do? They reject him. That is just so crazy just think about it though that all during the Old Testament it's coming you know creating this crescendo for the coming of Jesus and everything and he presents himself and performs miracles that people actually dare and see and watch and they still and what do they call him a liar a liar yeah and you know what they call him this, Father Satan too and blaspheming yeah no. and you know what how many people today are being warned that he's coming back to judge the world and that they need to repent and turn from their sins well, they don't believe he even exists. Yeah. And it, well, they, they know in their hearts that he and exists. You still don't believe he was the Son of God. Yeah. So, the Pharisees said, you are lying. In verse 14 it said, Jesus answered said, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Alright, so, let's answer this. Jesus says that his testimony is true. He knows where he comes from. Where did he come from? Heaven. Heaven. All right, I know where I'm going. Where's he going? Heaven. He's going back to heaven. Now, there's a there's another place he's going before he goes back to heaven, which is what? The grave. The grave. The cross. Yeah. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to be buried in the grave, and he's going to be resurrected. And then he's going to ascend back in heaven. So he knows he's come to die. He knows he's going to be resurrected, and he knows he's going to return to be with his father. Well, how does he know that? Well, in one sense, he's God, and he knows everything. But in another sense, remember when he was just a little kid? and yeah, the, he wasn't, wasn't all-knowing then. Well, he's always all-knowing in, God, in, in the godly sense. But because he's clothed in flesh, there are some things that are not revealed to him that he doesn't understand and know. But what, what does it say about him when he was a kid? That he continued to grow in wisdom and knowledge. So the closer he gets to the cross... Remember when he was baptized? What happened to him when he came out of the water? The Holy Spirit came upon him. And so now... And I think that's when, that's when he gained all of his knowledge and, and under, fully understood it. Well, he, but again, the Holy Spirit is, as a man, the Holy Spirit is helping him to grow in his knowledge and his wisdom. And the closer he gets but to he the... he could know things. He knew things before they were going to happen. Yep. How? He was fully God. How? I, I think that. What do you think? Together it, when the Holy Spirit well, what do you think that his knowledge was centered in? God. So did he just pull it out of the air? No. But How did he? The Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came and helped him to understand. But what is it that it helped him to understand? Who he was. How does he know who he is? Ah, that's a good question. I think you already, <laughs> I think you already knew who he was. I mean, he limited. Yeah. Well, watch this. Then he opened their eyes to understand the scriptures. And he pointed them to the scriptures because they are those that taught of him. 
so as he grew so as he grew in his understanding of scripture he grew in his understanding of who he was why because the old testament was telling everybody who he was of course he knew and when he came and confronted these people these people knew the old testament didn't they but they didn't know the old testament like he did because he is the very fulfillment of the Old Testament. He's the. They, they were, I just don't get that. They had it memorized. They, th- that was their know, main reason crazy, for living. I mean, was their scripture and their Torah. And they knew every word. And Good. All right. So but they, yet they missed right. it. How? All right. So watch. Well, we'll see that here in just a second. Watch this. Well, we were going to answer that. How in the world could they miss it? They had all the scriptures. They literally had Jesus standing in front of them telling Unless them. Unless they did it purposely. And it says... And then they're still God's children. It says, Jesus said, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from. I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I'm going or uh, come from or where I'm going. And here's your answer, Lori. How was it that they could not know? You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone, but even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone in it, but I am the Father who sent me. Even in your law it is written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. All right. So Jesus said to them, he said, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, remember when he was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3? He said, that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. All right? When you ate these brownies and potato chips and drank your uh, cherry Pepsi today for lunch, were you feeding your flesh or your spirit? Flesh. All right. When you get up and brush your teeth in the morning, Don, are you washing your flesh or your spirit? Flesh. What about if you die and you're laying on the ground and you don't have any breath and somebody gives you CPR? Flesh or spirit? Flesh. Good. All right. So that which is flesh is flesh and that which is spirit is spirit. And this is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, no man can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Why? Because Jesus said that flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of God. Our bodies. Right. Okay. Okay, so salvation of the soul. And a part that you read here in Isaiah, and there was 4325, I will not remember your sins. For my own sake. Who will not remember? For my own sake. Who will not remember your sins? God. Yeah, good. Okay, so. Jesus hadn't come yet. And my study notes, and, and it maybe the study notes are wrong, but the verse probably is the highest point of grace in the Old Testament. In spite of Israel's utter unworthiness, the Lord, His grace has devised a way that He could forgive their sins and grant them righteousness without compromising His holiness. This He would accomplish through the work of His servant. In spite of their failures, Israel will always be God's chosen people. Is he, are they speaking of Jesus there? Of course. So, Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood. So, is, if, if is, they don't come around to believe in Christ, then those Jews are going to hell. Yes, very much so. So are the people that were born before Abraham. That's, yeah, and I was wondering about that. If they didn't believe in him before Abraham, before there was ever such a thing as Jews, they would die and go to hell. So Abel and Cain, one of them believed God, one of them didn't. One went to heaven, one went to hell. Went to hell. This is 2,000 years before the Jewish nation was ever born. God has been working all along. So remember that in the book of the Revelation, it tells us that Jesus is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. All right. Now, that does not mean that Jesus died on the cross before the world was ever created. But it says that he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It was God's plan all along. From the time that he created Adam and Eve and created the world and placed them in it. Let me say it the other way. 
from the time that he created the world and then created Adam and Eve and placed them in it, the intention all along was that man would fall, but God would save him. And the plan for that salvation... Well, the crucifixion of his son. So, you know, in my mind, forgive me, but in my mind, why bother? Why put my son through all of that when my union right now is perfect? Why am I even putting men on this earth to do all of this and then have to crucify my son? You know? Why? Why? My to, ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And not only that, but to glorify himself. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna, in the now. end, we're going to say, oh, that's why. Isn't On the last day. I know there's no way I'm going to be able to fully understand, but, but it goes through my mind. Why? Sure. Yeah. So, why did you save me? So, so think about that. So, so remember that Abraham and all of the Old Testament saints were saved in the same way that you and I were saved. What do I mean by that? In order to be saved, I have to be forgiven for my sins. And I have to be credited with, with the righteousness of God. What does it mean to credit somebody with something? Give something on, the, on your behalf. Oh, yeah, okay. Right? So, in other words, if I'm a believer, I have been credited with the righteousness of Christ. How much righteousness does Christ have? All of, All of it. So the reason you're going to go to heaven one day is not because you're good, but because He credited you with His goodness. Okay? But not only did He credit you with His goodness, He had to forgive you for all of your badness. Right. And if God is all good, how could He let you slide with all that bad? If he's, if he's, if a, if a judge or let's say a police officer, if a police officer is all good and he catches you with drugs in your pocket, if he's all good, what does he got to do? Take put you to jail. jail. Arrest you and put you in jail. Yeah. Or arrest you and book you. Right? And then you go and stand before the judge. And what is the judge going to do if he's a good judge? He's going to send you to prison. Why? Because that's what goodness is about. It's about doing what is right. If he lets you slide, if the policeman lets you slide or the judge lets you slide, what does that tell you about the policeman or the judge? They're not just. They're not good. Right. So if all of us in this room have broken God's laws and God has promised that we're going to have to pay for our sins, what does he have to do? He definitely does. Now think about this. Think about the Holy Spirit as like the police. And they come and catch you with the goods. <laughs> what do they have to do? They, the policeman has to tell you you're guilty. Right. Well, what do you think that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to do? To convict us of our sins. Right. Then we have to repent. All right? But just because the Holy Spirit convicts me of my sins does not mean that I'm paying for my sins. Uh-huh. So I'm going to do something with that conviction. When the policeman pulls me over, I'm going to do something. I'm going to either pull it out of my pocket and say, you caught me, or I'm going to try to run and get away. And that's what happens when God starts working in your life. You start realizing you're wrong, and you're going to do one of two things. You're going to say, okay, God, I'm wrong. Or you're going to take your wrongs and go run and hide in the dark. So the Holy Spirit convicts you, but there will come a day on the last day when every man will stand before God and answer for everything that he's ever done. It's called Judgment Day. And without Jesus' death on the cross, who has to pay for what you've done? You do. You see? So when Jesus died on the cross, he sealed a salvation for all of his people. Now, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all that crowd, they came way before he ever made that sacrifice on the cross, didn't they? Mm-hmm. But why were they saved? By faith. Faith in who? Jesus. God. In Jesus. Yeah. In the promise of God. Right. And what was that promise? My son will come and die to save you. And so, in the same way that you and I but are saved. Even after their death, I mean, if we don't come around and know Christ and get saved before we die, it's too late. That's exactly right. It wasn't too late for them? They knew Him. Oh. So that talks about it in Hebrew. Yeah. He, he, um, he, said, he, says it, he says it this way. Jesus says it this way. Before Abraham was, I am. And this is what He said. Abraham desired to see my day and he saw it. 
Okay. So what does that mean? Abraham saw Christ in faith. He saw him. Okay. Now, did he understand it was going because to be on a cross? He always has been there. Just because he had to come and Good. So his faith, the Old Testament there. saints, their their faith was in what Jesus was going, to, what God was going to do for them. Did they understand it exactly? Did they understand all the details? No. Even his apostles. Even his disciples, even as he was going to die on the cross, didn't understand it. And even after he died on the cross, they still didn't grasp it. Right. But did that mean they weren't saved? They didn't have all the details filled in. It was a mystery that was being revealed as it come about. Now you and I can look back on that. So one of the ways that you and I can compare that is, if you really are a believer in this room, if you truly are a child of God and you're in this room, where are you going one day? Heaven. Now, do you know what heaven's going to look like? You know what it's all about? Yeah. No. It's but you know that you have that promise. And is that promise I'm ever going to is that promise that. ever going to change? No. No, because it's based on what God says. So the salvation and that Abraham and them had is the same salvation we have. It was based on the promise of God. And just because they couldn't see it as clear as you and I can today, because we have the scriptures, doesn't mean it wasn't just as real. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Thank so, you. Yeah. So, um, I I put it. Uh, let me let me get my text back open so we can finish out here. We got ten minutes. All right. So he says he claims that he is who he is, and they say, "Well, you can't just testify of yourself." And Jesus is going to. Jesus told them actually in. In John chapter 5, Jesus gave them five evidences that he was who he said he was. He said, John the Baptist bore witness of me. My father bore witness of me. Remember when he was, remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming along? He said, Look, everybody, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So what was John doing? John was pointing everybody to Jesus and saying, This is the promised one. So there's one witness that says he is who he is. <clears throat> then he said, my father testified of who I am. Do you all remember what happened when he came out of the water of baptism? This is my son. A voice from heaven said, this is my son and who I am well pleased. And who heard it? A bunch of people that were there at the baptism. Do you remember when Moses and Elijah and Jesus were on the mountain? And Peter said, hey, this is awesome. Let's build a temple for Elijah and Moses and for Jesus. Listen to him. And what did Jesus say? This is my son. Listen to him. All right. So Jesus spoke out of the mouth. God said that. God said that. Yeah. I said, yeah, I'm sorry. God said that. His father said that. He said, this is my son. Listen to him. So the apostles heard that testimony. The scriptures themselves give testimony of who Jesus is. And the works that he was performing give testimony of who he is. So these people are calling Jesus a liar and saying, you aren't who you say you are. And he gives them five different witnesses that I am who I say I am. Every time that he would do a miracle and show them something miraculous, what would they say? They was the devil sometimes. Or show us something else. We need to see something else to believe you. Now, remember this text today that we're talking about is claiming, Jesus is claiming that he is the light of the world. <clears throat> Not next week, but the week after that, we're going to get into a text where Jesus is going to give sight to a blind man. And that blind man, and so in other words, what's he going to do? <coughs> He's going to take that guy out of the darkness and bring him into the light. He's going to physically put light in his eyes, and he's going to spiritually put light in his heart. And then the guy that he heals is going to have to go and sit before these same opponents of Jesus and try to testify what happened. And his parents are going to come to him and say, he's been blind all of his life. We don't know how he's seeing now. And so, even when Jesus would do these miracles, mm-hmm. and they would see these miracles happen before their very eyes, they still wouldn't believe. And so Jesus is saying, look, my testimony is true. What I'm saying is true. And I've got all kind of proof that it's true. And no matter how much proof I give you, you won't believe. So, think about that even in your own life. If, if you truly are a child of God in here, your life has changed. And there's going to be people, your old friends and family and stuff, that ain't going to believe that you've changed. And there's going to actually be times in your life when you're going to look in the mirror and go, am I really a Christian? 
Why? Because you're looking to yourself instead of to God for your validation. You're looking to the opinions of people around you instead of looking to God for your promise. And it's always going to cause doubt. Right? Matter of fact, if you're dependent on something you're doing, you're not dependent on a saving faith. You're dependent on yourself and it'll drop you on your head one day. You've got to trust in Jesus and His promises. You've got to trust in the light or you will continue to be in the dark. And it's just that simple. So, um, in verse 20, he said, oh, in verse 19, he says, So they were saying to him, Where is your father? And Jesus answered and said, You neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. All right. Who's his father? God in heaven. And what is he telling these the most religious people on the face of the earth? You don't know God in heaven. And not only that, remember he tells Timothy, uh, Thomas later on, he said, he says, he said, Lord, Timothy said, Lord, uh, Thomas says, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Timothy, have I been with you this long, and yet you say you don't know the Father? So God is the express expression of His Father, a chip off the whole block, right? He's the expressed image of His Father. And when you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. Is Jesus and the Father uh, the same person? No. They're the same being. Same being, but three different persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you say, I don't understand that. Well, welcome to the club. (laughs) Me and you are one person. We can't understand one person uh, being three persons. One being being three persons don't make sense because we are one being and one person. Right? He's not bipolar. He's not schizophrenic. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when he was baptized, he commanded his people to go out and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now notice he didn't say in the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? One name Three persons. What's their name? God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so, he's basically... So is the name Jehovah put with all three, or just the Father? No, God is all three. Right. Right. So the name Jehovah is one of his names. Oh, right. For all three, or just the Father? Yeah. Because Jesus so is just the But you can't divide him up. He's but one God. being. Okay. You say Jesus, so Jesus, you say God. You say God, you say Jesus. So we, Jesus claims to be I am. Okay. Right? That's a good question. And who is I am? Jesus claims that anything that Jesus has multiple names, but any one of the names of Jesus is any one of the name of Jesus equals to the three. Well, he has Jesus has one name. But he identif- he can be identified through Jesus, yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joshua in Hebrew. Like there's different ways that you can refer to his name, but there's only one name of God. But it's whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the promise who he is, mm-hmm. the I am. So I believe the name Jehovah, there's in, in the Hebrew text, or um, it talks about Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah I mean, it's some more yeah, Nisi, Jehovah Nisi. It's just different names that, because when he's saying these names, he's giving us an idea of who he is. Because when God speaks to us through his word, he's talking to us in language we can understand because he's an infinite God and we're finite beings. So he says, Jehovah Rapha, I'm the Lord who provides. Jehovah Nisi, I'm the Lord who sustains. Stuff or, like that. Or Jehovah uh, Rapha, which means that the Lord, I'm the shepherd. He's trying to help yeah. us understand him. It's not necessarily that. He's, he's trying to throw that out all. Alright, so by them saying they do not know him, he's telling them they don't know the Father. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and nobody comes to the Father, Father but through me. you got to come through Jesus. So what about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph? Did they come through Moses to get to the Father? They had to come through who? Jesus. Jesus. So even the Old Testament saints had to come through Jesus. Now, they didn't quite grasp his name, the name Jesus, but they grasp his name as God. 
And they believed in their hearts that the one that was coming to save them would come. Right. So in faith they were saved. What was their faith in? The name. And when we talk about the name in the Bible, it's the name is the very substance of his, his who he is, his promise, his faithfulness, his truth. So when you sign your name to a deed or a contract, what are you doing? You're saying, I'll pay for this. Mm-hmm. The name of God. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, you and I call upon the name of Jesus, and a, and a, a Hebrew who be, becomes saved may call on the name Joshua. Because that's how you say Jesus in, in Hebrew. You see? But they're both calling on the same name. Now, in the Old Testament, when Abraham was con- and his wife Sarah was confronted by the, the angel of the Lord who is the I Am and Jesus... He, they asked him, and matter of fact, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Samson's mom and dad met the angel of the Lord too. And they said, what is your name? And he said, why do you ask me my name? It is too wonderful for you. You see? Well, what was he saying? It, it, was, it, it was saying, it's too big for you to understand. And so they were calling upon, they were believing in faith on something that they couldn't quite yet understand. But they were believing on Jesus. And by believing on Jesus, they were granted access the to the Father. Either. Of course not. Yeah. Alright, so we, we're gonna have to We're gonna have to wind down. We gotta wind down because I literally am about a minute over. So um A minute over. I guess to sum this up, Jesus is the truth. And in this text that we've learned today, he is the light. If we do not trust Him, then we will be doomed to walk in darkness. darkness. And and if you notice the religious crowd of that day, they had their own lights, didn't they? The candles and the ceremonies and the traditions. But that was not the light of the world. The eternal light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. John the Baptist said it this way. He said, I am not the light, but I come to bear witness of the light. So what John the Baptist was saying is, I'm not the light, I'm the light bulb. And that's what you and I are as Christians. We're not the source. We're not the light. But God has called us to be light bulbs. He's called us to allow the light through us so that the world, this dark, dark world that we live in can be lit up. So if you're in this room today and you still are walking in darkness, repent. Turn away from the dark life that you're in and turn to Christ. And because you have turned to Him and trusted in His promise, He will save you and He will give you the eternal light that you need. Uh, and if you have trusted Him, recognize areas of your life where you're still walking in the dark and turn away from it. So I hope that this lesson has been challenging and good for you yeah, today. When we, when we get back together next week, we're gonna we'll finish up John chapter eight. Next week we're gonna learn where Jesus tells them that the truth will set you free. And that's what we'll talk about next week. Let's close with a quick prayer. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this chance to study your word. Help us. Help us to live in the light of your life. Uh, and help us to walk in that light and to trust you and to walk with you more and more. Please help any who are still walking in the darkness to see that light and give them the strength and willingness to turn away from it. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.